Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in the last couple of programs, you've been talking about how scientists are doubting Darwin in droves Mm -hmm. and showing that these are not creationists we're talking about. That's right, Scott. The ranks of Darwin skeptics are swelling. Or to be more precise, the number of scientists who are no longer confident in neo-Darwinism as an explanation for how evolution happens is expanding. I would say dramatically. And something I find fascinating about what you've shared is a large portion of these skeptics are not advocates of intelligent design. In other words, they are still holding to the idea that there must be a purely materialistic explanation for the origin and diversification of life. Well, that's correct. In fact, we'll see today that those who are abandoning Darwinism in many cases are stressing that they absolutely believe in evolution and are not suggesting any supernatural or intelligent influence in the evolutionary process. Basically, making sure no one would misunderstand that they think God might be involved. (laughs) Perish the thought. Hmm. But even though some questioning of Darwinism is apparently now being tolerated within the evolutionary community, calling upon some form of supernatural intervention is not. Certainly not the creator presented in the Bible. And to show that this is happening, a letter published in Nature back in 2014 signals just how much questioning there is among evolutionists. Dr. Kevin Leyland, professor of behavioral and evolutionary biology at the University of St. Andrews in the United Kingdom, wrote the letter to Nature titled, Does Evolutionary Theory Need a Rethink? He and seven other of Dr. Leyland's colleagues wrote, quote, An alternative vision of evolution is beginning to crystallize. The number of biologists calling for change in how evolution is conceptualized is growing rapidly. Strong support comes from allied disciplines, particularly developmental biology, but also genomics, epigenetics, ecology, and social science. We contend that evolutionary biology needs revision, unquote. So notice, he advocates evolutionary biology needs revision. He's not saying he doesn't think evolution is responsible for life and its diversity. What he and others are proposing is something he calls extended evolutionary synthesis, or EES for short. And basically what it is, is an explanation for evolution that includes processes other than genetic inheritance. Here is Leyland's statement describing EES. The processes by which organisms grow and develop are recognized as causes of evolution. (laughs) Now, I don't have time to get into this, but back when Darwin was proposing evolution by natural selection, another scientist, Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, had proposed a different cause for evolution that is known as Lamarckism. Now, Lamarckism became the object of ridicule once DNA's involvement in heredity was understood. But irony of ironies, what EES is proposing is very similar to Lamarckism in several facets of its proposals. And this happens so frequently. Anyone who questions the current consensus is ridiculed at the time. Mm -hmm. But then the quote-unquote facts are found to be an error, and some new uncontestable explanation (laughs) is put forward. It does get frustrating, doesn't it? So, I read a little from that letter to Nature by Kevin Leyland titled, Does Evolutionary Theory Need a Rethink? What I also want to do is read a little more from an article we considered in the last program 
published in The Federalist in 2019. Its title is Why One-Third of Biologists Now Question Darwinism, and it was reporting on that letter to Nature, as well as other sources documenting the mounting skepticism about Darwinism. The report begins, quote, A controversial letter to Nature in 2014 signaled the mounting concern among thoughtful professional biologists. Other works by atheist authors like What Darwin Got Wrong and Mind and Cosmos find fatal flaws in the theory and assert it is almost certainly false. Another project, The Third Way, seeks to avoid a false choice between divine intervention, which it outright rejects, and the neo-Darwinian model, which it finds unsupported in the face of modern molecular theory, while presenting evidence to improve evolution theory beyond neo-Darwinism. After publishing in Nature, Leyland received more than 1,000 emails in support from the academic community. This number is huge for a critique of such a long-standing accepted theory. In the five years since the Nature letter, support has also only grown. The leading critics have been intelligent design supporters who are looked down on by naturalists, but as each group adds to the scientific literature, certain critiques and findings inevitably bolster or redirect the research of the other." So, alternatives include not only EES, the Extended Evolutionary Synthesis, but there is also the Third Way, which is another attempt to explain how evolution occurs without neo-Darwinism, or, of course, supernatural intervention. Of course. But I emphasize, although the evolutionary community finds itself in this situation, the quote-unquote fact of evolution is not being questioned by these scientists. They adamantly hold to it. They do not question it. They believe in it, while they have no valid explanation for how it happens. Dr. Scripture, who was the prominent evolutionist who basically admitted evolution was impossible, but he believed it anyway? The scientist you're referring to was the Nobel Prize winner, George Wald. And he said, quote, when it comes to the origin of life, there are only two possibilities, creation or spontaneous generation. There's no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved about a hundred years ago, but that leads us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance, unquote. But now evolutionists are proposing a third way. (laughs) I wonder if Wald would be happy or sad at these new developments. Well, I think he would welcome any option other than supernatural creation. And that, I also think, is the underlying quest today for a new mechanism to explain how evolution happens since Darwinism has been shown to be implausible. But having said that, In order to give full disclosure, that letter to Nature did publish two sides of the argument. To answer Leyland's proposition that evolutionary theory urgently needs a rethink, Drs. Gregory Ray and Hopi Hoekstra wrote a counterpoint saying, all is well, but will not get into what they counter with. The fact that this letter and a response to it was published in Nature in 2014 and that skepticism has only been growing demonstrates the state of the theory of evolution today.
And Dr. Scripture, one of the points you've also been emphasizing in this whole discussion is, even though this kind of questioning of Darwinism is prevalent in the scientific community, the public hears almost nothing about it. Indeed, which is why I'm spending as much time on this subject as I have. I hope students in particular will realize that what they're being fed in their classes and from the media is one, very outdated, and two, very slanted towards the status quo evolutionary worldview and its associated dogma. And in particular, I'm concerned for the Christian students who are attending Christian colleges and universities all over the country, who are having their understanding of Scripture and ultimately their faith in God's Word undermined by false evolutionary teaching in the name of irrefutable science. And unfortunately, it's common for schools identified as Christian schools to teach various forms of evolution in, might we say, creation clothing? Unfortunately, is putting it delicately, Scott. Now, I'm going to share some more information that I do not enjoy doing at all. However, just as my intention in discussing the prevalence of doubt about Darwinism within the evolutionary community is to educate people, especially students, that Darwinism should not be accepted, no matter what you hear or are taught in most schools, my intention in sharing this information is to warn parents and prospective students of Christian colleges about the consequences of compromising God's Word in any fashion, but in particular, given our focus in what Scripture says about creation. It is not my intention to pick on any given school. However, since the material I'm going to discuss was published by the school itself, I believe I am publicizing only what the school has already made public. Wheaton is a highly respected Christian college, one of the highest profile colleges in the USA. This is their own description on their website. Wheaton College is an explicitly Christian, academically rigorous, fully residential liberal arts college located in Wheaton, Illinois. So I'm going to read excerpts from an article titled Evolving Thoughts on Origins, written on April 22, 2017 in Wheaton's publication the Wheaton Record. It was reporting information from a study done by the school that looked into the theories of origins class and the differing views of students at Wheaton. So, you need to understand the terminology. The description recent representatives means that Adam and Eve were a pair of humans chosen by God out of a larger group some six to 10,000 years ago to be image bearers with a special relationship with God. According to the data collected, the category of recent representative is fairly popular at the start of the class, with 20 to 25% of the class populations espousing that view. At the end of the class, the recent representative view usually grew to 40% or more. Now, the idea that Adam and Eve were chosen out of a larger group means that they, at least physically, were not specially created. Mm -hmm. There was a population of human-like animals from which God then selected two, and he made them truly human. That's correct. Now, perhaps the most significant change happens with the students who enter the class saying that they believe in what is traditionally known as a young earth creationist view, which says that Adam and Eve are recent ancestors of all modern humans specially created by God six to 10,000 years ago. According to survey data, somewhere between 25 and 30% of the students entering the class believe in a young earth creationist view. The number drops to less than 10% and sometimes even 0% by the end of the class. Wow. 
It doesn't take a detective to figure out how creation is being presented in that class. Yes, and finally, there's also the ancient representative view, which says that Adam and Eve were a pair of early homo sapiens chosen by God out of a larger group 100,000 or more years ago, and all modern humans are their descendants. General trends showed both the recent and ancient representative points of view increase in popularity over the duration of the class. Wheaton's professor of Old Testament, John Walton, author of The Lost World of Genesis 1 and one of the course's instructors, said, quote, I think it's important to put information on the table that either might help solve some of the confusion or might offer different options than just that one narrow belief that maybe people grew up with. Those who claim the Bible refutes science often don't fully understand the science, Walton says, unquote. Well, excuse me for being so blunt, but Professor Walton doesn't understand the science. The recent or ancient representative views accept Darwinian evolution as truth and treat it as a superior explanation to the simple understanding of what Genesis chapter 1 records. The thing that is so ironic and frustrating about this is, here you have Christian colleges teaching that evolution is true, while at the same time, the evolutionists are debating among themselves how it can be true, Hmm. because they don't have an explanation for how it happens. There is no scientific reason to change the meaning of what Genesis records about how the heavens and the earth and all they contain came into being. Believers in God's word need to understand that. Exodus 31:17 could hardly say it more clearly. For in six days the Lord God made heaven and earth. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.